just began a series on the church. What is the church for? Why do we need church? We're going to be looking at that in the next couple of weeks. Why are we here? The word church or churches, it appears 114 times in the authorized King James Version. 150 times in the New Living Translation. It only appears two or three times in the Gospel, uh, depending on the translation you use. And that's where I want to start. I, there's a lot of scripture to it. I know it's kind of in small print, too. <laughs> if I made it a bigger print, I'd have to bring 10 or 12 pages here. And I figured this would be a little bit easier, and it's also something you can take notes on. Take with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, well, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know the amazing thing about that verse is if you go down about ten verses later, Jesus is turning around and saying, Get thee behind me and say, Satan. And he's saying that to Peter. The same person who just he just told him, You're blessed because God revealed this to you. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. There are several sermons right there in those eight verses. I just want to talk about one half of one verse, verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I mean, there's a bunch of different interpretations right there when you talk about Peter, you talk about rock, depending on what church you go into. But you know what? I just want to look at, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. In other verses, in versions, it says that the gates of hell will not overcome it. Do you realize how cool that is? That is so cool. It's another one of those verses that shows us that the fight is fixed. We can never lose. Never. We may get sidetracked. We may get injured. We may fall. We may get the rug pulled out from under us. But if we're persistent, and we keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, we can never lose. The gates of hell will not overpower the church. So what is this church that Jesus is building? What is this church for? The Greek word for church, ecclesia. And it's a combination of a couple of different Greek words. One of the words that it comes from means... Um, calling out. Another of the words that it comes from means a religious congregation, a, 
community of members on earth or saints in heaven, or both. The church is God's community of believers throughout the world and in heaven. The church is, are, the people that God has called out of the world, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Peter said it best. See, the Bible says things way better than I ever could. That's why I have a lot of verses here. Uh, okay, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 10. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple, the church. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. In the Amplified Version, that verse says, For thus it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a chosen, honored, precious chief cornerstone, and he who believes in him and he adheres to, trusts in, and relies on him shall never be disappointed or put to shame. Let that sink in. This is the second thing that I'm reading tonight that I think is so cool. If you don't leave here today with anything else, if you fall asleep while I'm preaching, remember this. He who believes in him, who adheres to, who trusts him, and relies on him shall never be disappointed. Never. Never. Ever. That's pretty intense. Down to verse 7. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And here's the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he calls you out of the darkness and into his marvelous, wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received mercy. You're God's people. Ecclesia, the church. I'm God's person. You know what's cool? Another thing. I can show others the goodness of God. Little side note. For all those times that you say, I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. Well, there's another one of those verses that tells you exactly what God wants you to do. Show others the goodness of God. His will is His word. And His word is His will. I am God's person. I am the church. And I can show others the goodness of God. We are God's people. We are the church. And we can show others the goodness of God. Let's get corn. Repeat it after me. We are God's people. We are the church. And we can show others the goodness of God. 
that's intense. I mean, that's like, that's everything laid out for us. Show other people the goodness of God. What more do we need to know? The church is also known as the body of Christ. You are the church, you're the body of Christ here on earth. So why are we here? Last week, Christian said that the church is for worship. And we are, and that was some pretty intense worship tonight. Let me tell you. That was cool. Uh, she mentioned that everything we do that glorifies God is worship. Paul put it this way in Romans 12. I'm going to read a lot. Sorry. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I've read that verse for years. As a matter of fact, Romans 12, 2 is like my life verse. But until yesterday, I never really noticed that this thing says you can prove what the will of God is. That's pretty, that's another cool thing. His will is his word. Word is his word. Next verse. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You realize we don't have our own faith. We even get that from God. God has allotted to each one of us a measure of faith. That's some I'm, I tell you, the more I the more I'm studying today, the cooler I think. Amazing. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, uh, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his servant, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved. Leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what the church is for. It's all right there. All of those things. Showing others the goodness of God in all of those different ways. And that's what we do. We worship one, we serve as one, and we love everyone to the best of our abilities. 
We love in a way that matters. That's what God wants us to do. That glorifies God. That shows others the goodness of God. And it's funny. Only once, three words did Paul say, you know, mention prayer. And Peter, in the, ver in the verses I read previously, he didn't mention prayer at all. But you know what? That's another major reason the church exists. Church is for prayer. We just demonstrated that tonight right here. Jesus said we should always pray and not give up. He told a parable about a judge that finally gave in to the widow's request because she was persistent. And it's, it's on your list of verses. One day Jesus told his disciples that there's a story to show that you always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, you neither fear God nor care about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, no fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? We're not going to wear God down. Not like the woman wore this judge down. So if we keep asking him for the same thing, we're going to get an answer. It may not be the answer that we want, but we will always get an answer. Earlier I mentioned verses that were explicitly God's will. Here's another one. Jesus said it. Always pray and never give up. While I was sitting there before, I thought of the old acronym. Push. Pray until something happens. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep praying. Paul repeated it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. In another version it says, rejoice, rejoice, always pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. You belong to Christ, and prayer is God's will for you. It's God's will for the Christian. It's God's will for the church. What did Jesus say about two or more believers being together? Or two or more believers asking for something? Matthew 18. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. He's here. That's another thing that is so cool. Imagine that. Right now, Jesus is here among us. Apostle John, in one of his letters, said, This is the confidence which we, yeah, which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, 
we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. James said the earnest prayer of a righteous person is great power and produces wonderful results. Some amazing things happen when the church prays with a unified, sincere heart. Nothing else. I expect Cece to walk out of here tonight just filled with the peace of God. Knowing that whatever the issue is, God is going to take care of her according to his will. And she will have perfect peace. Why? Because we ask God for it. We pray according to His will. And we believe it. When the early church prayed, the earth shook, chains fell off. People were healed. The people were saved. A couple of examples. Acts 12. I won't read this whole thing. You have it. You can read it. I will tell you the story. Told Peter not to preach. Peter said, I'm preaching. They locked him up and threw him in jail. The rest of the church was gathered wherever they were. And they were praying for God to release Peter. God, Peter's in jail. They're probably going to kill him. He got to do something. And this went on, and this went on, and this went on. And I'm going to take it up in, let's see, Acts 12 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. The chains fell off. And the angel told him, Get dressed, put on your sandals. Oh, let's go, get out of here, follow me. And I mean, so Peter left the cell. He followed the angel. But the whole time, he thought it was a vision. They passed guard posts, made it out the front door. And Peter, when he got out the front door, was like, wow, I'm really out of there. He headed right to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Knocked on the door. servant girl came and answered the door and it says when she recognized Peter's voice she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door she ran back inside and told everyone Peter's standing at the door you're out of your mind they said when she insisted they decided it must be his angel check this out they're praying for something God gives them exactly what they're praying for they don't believe it that's, I mean, that is so... That, you know, when the church prays, God acts. It's that simple. You think they would have learned that already because earlier in Acts, and I'm going to go over that, they had prior answered prayer experience. We have prior answered prayer experience. But we don't believe God half the time either when we ask for something. That just like blows me away. I'm as guilty as everybody else. Maybe even more so. But sometimes we get down on ourselves for stuff like that. Hey, I always look at these guys. These were the guys that 
when they walked down the street and you know Peter's shadow would fall on people, they would be healed. And yet, they had trouble believing a miracle happening right in front of them. So I don't feel so bad anymore. Now earlier in Acts, in chapter 4, Peter and John had been arrested again. And they returned to the other believers and, you know, they told them everything that went on. This is where they prayed. And I'm going to read this, I'm going to read the whole prayer. And this is in Acts 4, 23 to 31, and it's on that sheet. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit to our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done for the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So I want to point a couple of things out. First, they prayed with one accord. Unity. They were one mind, one heart. The second, and this is probably even more important, they prayed God's will. Give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. How do we know that was God's will? Well, that's what Jesus told them to do before he left. I went to all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the word. They recognized that it was his job to back up the word. They only had to preach it. They only had to talk about it what they knew of Jesus Christ. That's all God ever asks any one of us to do, to talk about our interactions with him. He'll back up when we talk about if we're speaking his truth. That's what we need to remember. We pray, we do what he wants, and he backs up his word. It never returns void without accomplishing what it sets out to do. We pray, we do what he tells us, and he backs us up. We can't go wrong. And the results of their prayer, in that one instance, it shook the place. One time before I die, I want to pray with a bunch of people and I want the place to shake. I want to see that one time before I die. Pray and speak. Remember the man whose son had a demon and the apostles couldn't cast it out. He ran to Jesus. He had come back down from the mountain. And he says to him, he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus looked at him and said, what do you mean if I can do anything? If you have faith, if you believe, 
And the guy said, Lord, I believe my own belief. As a church, we believe God for great things. But then maybe not always. The Lord, we believe. Help our own belief. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. God, we do believe. We do believe. As a church body, you've put us here. You've put us together. For your purposes, for your will. We believe you, God. We believe that you back up your word. We believe that your word never returns void without accomplishing what it sets out to do. We believe that your peace that passes all understanding is going to envelop ceasing tonight. You're going to settle her heart. We don't know the circumstances. We don't need to know. We know you. opportunities to speak your word so we can watch you act. We have what we 
and ask for. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just uh, give you the praise and the glory because I know that you're working in each one of us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen.